Rachel. Welcome to Recovery Daily Podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking about gaining clarity. And um, first, I wanted to just mention that when I was getting ready um, to sit down and do the podcast this evening, I had a fleeting feeling of what's the point? What am I fighting for? It was more like, what's the point? What am I fighting for? That's what I was feeling. And I can't say that it's tough to share this because I know my daughter listens to this and I think my son does. I'm not sure. I haven't asked him. But um, so I'm always afraid to, to share something that's that seems to be discouraging, um, but I think it's important to share it because it's what makes me human, and it makes it um, more obvious that what I'm doing here is difficult. And um, and today I have a little bit of a lump in my throat. It might be because I went to vision therapy today. And it's so, um, kind of discouraging that the vision therapy is about 15 minutes out of an entire seven days. It's 15 minutes and I have homework each day, which I can tell you what that homework is, but after just 15 minutes and including a car ride, and I think the car ride does have an effect on me. I really feel very much like I got beaten in the head, like, like I was on a roller coaster and it didn't go well kind of thing. That's what I feel like my, um, my head is very sensitive. My eyes are sensitive to just any movement, just walking. It's like, Uh, It's just like the world is in, um, you know, like everything is exaggerated. It's just too much. I just want to like put my head inside of a pillow and go to sleep inside the pillow. (laughs) Um, But I think it's important to what came to mind after I felt that way and When I feel that way, I've learned from my sobriety program that I just get up and do it anyway. I do the next right thing. And I can't tell you how many times I have just said to myself, do the next right thing, do the next right thing. And I've talked about it before. I turn my wanter off and I just do the, I just get up and I do the next right thing. And so when I thought to myself, what am I doing? Why am I even doing this? Um, I just kept moving towards what I was doing. I didn't let those thoughts stop me in progressing towards what I needed to do. I let those thoughts pass through me because they're not wrong and they're not bad. They're just thoughts and they're not going to kill me and it is the essence of why 
I have to have faith in things that are bigger than just myself because I can't, I can't depend solely on me for anything that I'm doing for this podcast, for my vision therapy, for my healing, for anything. Um, and I've spent so many years of my life thinking that I was supposed to depend more and more on myself, you know, be independent. That's what we learned to be an independent woman. Um, and, and I know that, you know, I say woman, but, but it applies to men too. You learn that you need to be a self-sufficient, independent man. And, um, and I'm not quite sure that that's what we should be teaching, um, each other or ourselves or our children. I think it's important to teach that we need each other as human beings. We need each other. And so I thought I would just, while I was getting the computer out and the mic out and everything, I, I thought, well, let me answer this question. What is the point? What am I fighting for? Why am I doing this? It's because I want to feel joy. I want to, I know what it feels like to be joyful. And I spent a long time in my life not feeling joyful. And I know what it feels like now, and I want that again. And so I'm going to do whatever it takes to, to get there. And it might not feel good. Um, it's most likely not going to feel good right now. Nothing feels very good. Um, so the vision therapy today, speaking of not feeling good, um, I did the same thing in the, uh, in the 15 minutes that I was there as I did last week, which is I followed a circle around a black TV screen once And then I focused on a card that was seven feet away from me. And then I had to shift my focus to a card that was 13 feet away from me. And then I had to do that. I think we did it a total of eight times. And so I did it five times and I told her how I was feeling. And then I did it uh, three more times and told her how I was feeling And to give you an idea of what it feels like, it's hard to explain, but I've talked about the rubber band feeling in my head. Um, That has been subsiding, so I only felt that slightly. I feel it right now. Um, If I were to tell, you know, give you a scale of 1 to 10, I would say it's at about a 3, which is where I was starting to level off at last week and I've actually gotten to the point where I don't really feel the rubber band feeling very much Um, but what I was feeling was like the blood was rushing to my head almost like uh, I told the therapist like if you're laying if you're upside down on one of those teeter things uh, for your back and you feel the blood rushing to your head that's what it feels like only I'm just sitting there that's what it felt like for me. And then if that continues to get worse, then I start feeling the rubber band feeling. And, um, and then the rubber band feeling, if that continues to be um, 
agitated, I'll start getting nauseous. So like the, it's a, it's like a path of, of symptoms that just build on top of each other. So that's what I did in the therapy session. And then um, for homework, I do the the same card exercise. I brought two cards home with me. So I get to do the card exercise and I have to do it 10 times uh, every day. And I just want a, a side note. If you heard me, I said I get to do it. And that is something that I also learned in my sobriety program. And I'm not perfect at it, but it's important to say when there's something ahead of us um, that we have to do, it's really, really um, beneficial to change that word have to, to get to. And it just shifts your mindset a little bit because, for example, if I was, um, if my stroke had had been more damaging to my brain, I would not get to do these exercises at home. I may, uh, you know, I could have been blind or something like that. So it, I, I get to do exercises because I am so fortunate that I didn't have more brain damage. So, um, that's kind of an, (laughs) a peek into my crazy head. And, um, and then the other piece of homework is, I get to watch the clouds go by. So um, that circle that I talked about that went around the TV screen, there's also an exercise that I can do at home, which is when I take my dogs out or I go sit out on my deck, I can look up and watch a cloud go by for, um, you know, maybe about 60 seconds. I haven't done it for a whole 60 seconds. My eyes will actually, um, what's the word? Like they'll, they'll quickly switch away from what I'm looking at. I can't think of the word, but, um, they'll look away and I have to like force myself to stay focused on the thing. And in this case, the cloud. So, I get to watch clouds go by. So, um, so that's where I'm at. And I, you know, I'm feeling okay. I think I feel better than I did last week. It's hard to tell, but I was not as laid out tonight as I was last week. So these are signs of progress and good news. So uh, back to the topic, and, and I'm sure it's not totally unrelated. So um, gaining clarity. And what, what I'm going to talk about is moving those negative thoughts and making space for, um, for being able to, to be of service to others, to, to add value, to, uh, see things more clearly. So all of this can be done if you make room for it. There's only so much, you know, a human being can do and think about. And, um, and so we, we don't necessarily consciously pick and choose what we're going to think about. It almost feels like it just happens to us. 
Um, but it doesn't have to happen to us. We get to choose what we're going to think about. And I never understood that. Um, you know, I've been, as my daughter is in her, um, she's 21. And as she has been, you know, going through her late teen years and into her uh, being 20, I had been starting to just toss the idea around out to her that um, we don't have to just be a victim to whatever thoughts come to mind. We actually have a lot more control than it than it seems or that it feels like of our thoughts. Um, but it takes a lot of practice. And so there are some things that I do to help myself clear out the stuff that doesn't serve me, to make room for the stuff that makes me feel good and the stuff that I can then share with others. So one thing is that every night before I go to bed, I read from this um, little prayer card and it's not you know, I, I try not to talk very much about religion because I don't feel like I'm religious. I feel more like I'm spiritual. And um, this prayer is more about clearing away the things that don't serve me. So looking inward, uh, have I been resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid today? Um, do, do I owe anybody an apology? Did I treat everybody nicely? And then, um, and then what can I do to remove these thoughts that are pretty much always in my head? Worry, remorse, morbid reflections, these types of things, you know, I, I, I talked about a couple weeks or no, a couple episodes ago that, um, I had a friend that passed away a year and a half ago. And this, uh, when I read this prayer at night, uh, rem uh, remove my morbid reflections, I'm thinking of that. And before that I was thinking about, um, another individual that I lost. And so, because I obsess, I obsess about death. And um, that's probably something that I could talk about. I don't know. That's going to be a, that would be a tough, <laughs> a tough episode to, um, to do. But I try to at least um, acknowledge that I have these thoughts in my head and just, uh, just remove them to try to make room for for better thoughts. There's so much good that happens to me. There's no need for me to spend time worrying and and feeling sorry for this or that and and being sad about none of these things, none of these feelings are doing me any good. Um, being, you know, having morbid reflections and stuff, that's not going to bring anybody back. And so if I can put these things aside, like I've talked about, p 
put them on my nightstand. They're going to be there when I wake up in the morning. If I choose to wake up and pick up those worries and, and, um, morbid thoughts and everything. If I want to pick them back up in the morning, I can, but they're going to have to sit there on my nightstand at night so that I can get a nice, um, restful sleep. And if I can move those inward thoughts to the side, I have a lot more room to be of service to those around me. I'm better able to focus on, to just notice what others around me are going through. They may not even be asking me for help or anything, but I'm just more observant to the world around me if I'm not focused inward all the time. And I spent a lot of years focused inward, selfish, completely selfish. All I was worried about was how I was going to get my next drink. And that's uh, very similar to what I'm going through now. Um, I feel very selfish being, you know, staying home. My job right now, as my brother reminded me today, is to take care of myself. And so I feel like I'm doing that. I feel like I'm doing some hobbies that make me happy and I'm um, lifting weights so that I don't get, uh, you know, out of shape and not be able to, to function because I'm sleeping so much um, and things like that. And, but, but if I'm able to use this time and these, this internal voice I have, if I can turn it into something that speaks outward to other people, then I can be of service at the same time that I'm taking care of myself. So one thing that I had a really tough time doing when I first got sober was meditation. So meditation is a part of my recovery program. And I remember when I first started trying this meditation thing, we there was a meeting on Friday that they would turn out the lights for like 10 minutes. And I, I was leaving work. I... I had the meeting after work, so when I went to it, I was like all spun up, you know, because I had just left work. So to go into this room with a bunch of people, turn out the lights, and it's silent in the room, my head was still really loud on the inside. So this was seven years ago. I felt like it was so loud, and I could hear... I could hear the traffic outside in the streets and it just felt like it was echoing in my head. I felt like there were hamsters on hamster wheels inside my head just running still. My body had stopped, my mouth stopped, and yet my brain was just still going. And it took a long, it took years for me to practice clearing my mind. And 
a lot of people practice meditation. There's a lot of people who say, I can't meditate or I don't know how to meditate. And I didn't know how to meditate either. Everybody does it differently. But I can tell you that when you start taking a moment to pause, you're already doing it. Some people focus on their breath. I can't do that. Whenever I focus on my breath, I feel like I can't breathe. <laughs> so I don't do that. Um, for the longest time, I when I was running, I've talked about my, um, my running stint. And that was my way of meditation was running. But and during that time, I absolutely was focused on my breathing. That's for sure, because I felt like shit. And I felt like I couldn't breathe. So I just kept telling myself, breathe, breathe. So um, it's taken a long time. But I actually feel like I can sit down and think of nothing if I try. And it sounds really weird, but I can do it. And it's taken me I think I started really being able to do it like last year to be able to actually clear my mind. I can't even tell you what I'm thinking of because, like I said, I think I'm thinking of nothing. <laughs> so I don't know. But what I can tell you is um, what I compare it to. And when I, the Okay, so I told you about how I went to rehab the first time, and then I started drinking again. And then so during that time between my rehabs, I was drinking for about eight months. And towards the end, right before I started, I went to rehab again, when I would be, I would have that compulsion to drink, I remember vividly um, when I would finally get the alcohol, um, wine for me, when I would finally get some, and I remember I was in my car, I pulled over into some neighborhood and I poured, uh, the boxed wine into like a, a water bottle. And I took the one drink, I took the first drink and I, felt my entire body just release. It was like this. Oh, that's what it felt like. And I remember that feeling. I remember thinking when that happened, I remember thinking, I can never give this up. I remember feeling like there is nothing that makes me feel like this. There's, it was, it's like a blanket of relaxation, like a weighted, one of those weighted blankets just drops over me. And so since I have that memory of what that feels like, I have most recently in the past two years attempted to practice making myself feel that, that so where it started, and this is before my stroke, really, what I would be able to do, because I felt the release in my head, like, I don't know if it was my scalp or my brain, 
or there was like a chemical, um, a chemical that got shot out or something. I don't know what happened when I had that drink. It's, uh, if it was, you know, a chemical reaction or something, but I try to achieve that same sense of relaxation in my brain and in my scalp without taking a drink. And I really have to focus on that moment, not the drink, but the moment, what that felt like to have everything just stop, to have everything just let go. And so I've begun to now with the stroke symptoms that I'm suffering from, the head discomfort and the pain, now I get to try to do that more often because that's what it feels like. That rubber band wrapped around my head, that's what it feels like. It feels like the my scalp needs to release. So I've talked about how I feel like, I say this over and over, I feel like my, my higher power, which is everything outside of myself, has prepared me for whatever I'm dealing with. And it's interesting to me that I would have remembered that moment when I had that drink, one of my, you know, closer to the end of my drinking, and remembering what it felt like in my head, and then practicing over the years, feeling that feeling again, and then to be today introduced to this challenge where I've got this this sensory overload in my head and the pain and the discomfort and everything, that I've already practiced how to let it go. And I'm not, again, perfect at it, but it's something that, that I can try to do. It's something for me to focus on instead of just, you know, throwing in the towel and being like, you know, oh, there it is again. Um, so this morning, interestingly enough, this morning I listened to a calm meditation on the uh, calm.com, calm.com, <laughs> uh, the daily calm. And she talked about, uh, Tamara Levitt talked about sensory clarity and she went through the meditation and had you practice tracing the outline of your hands through the meditation. And apparently it's a thing. And it's called sensory clarity. So I thought that was an interesting exercise that um, that people could try. So I thought I'd share it here. And um, another thing that that I heard as well was if we remove what doesn't serve us remove that, you know, agitation, fear, anxiety, anger, if we work on clearing that away, then we have 
more clarity in the things that we see every day. So comparing this to, um, she said, and I'm pulling this from calm.com, the, uh, the meditation for the day. She compared it to not like going on a vacation and you're going somewhere new that you've been never been before. Um, there, you have so much curiosity and, and so everything's so clear, you know, you're really paying attention to your surroundings. And so wouldn't it be nice to be able to do that in everyday life? And I can tell you that, um, and I'll get into this in a little, in a little bit, but as I've been removing, taking things in with my eyes, I've been having a little more clarity in what I'm hearing and how I'm processing what I'm hearing. So I'll talk about that in a minute. But when we remove these other sense, sensory items, then we have more I think of a, more of a choice of what we're going to focus on and how much clarity we're going to be able to have. So if you think about how much you're thinking of the past and how much you think of the future, like um, I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of, I don't know, my vacation with my family. I had the best vacation ever. Top, I, I swear, best vacation I've ever had in my life with my family last summer. Anyway, um, if I'm focusing on that past vacation or I'm focusing on the future, so um, what am I going to do tomorrow? To, to be simple, what am I, <clears throat> what am I going to do tomorrow? then I'm not here in the present. I'm, I don't have any clarity on the present moment. And if I actually stop thinking about all of these m minutes that have passed and that are ahead of me and I just stay in the very minute that I'm in, everything seems so much more, number one, beautiful and calm and serene. And um, if I take the time to look around in the moment that I'm in, I realize that the moment that I'm in is the only moment I want to be in. So I, sp I spend most of my days lately zoned out. And I mean that more so with my eyes. Um, I have a hard time focusing. So it's, of course, interesting and important that the topic today is about clarity because I do not have a lot of clarity visually right now on anything uh, near, far, you name it. <laughs> I have no clarity on every. I see double. I see, um, you know, everything's blurry and when I do try to focus in on something, 
then the rubber band starts tightening around my head. So I have been zoned out. And so you know how when you get tired and you just start staring? I do that all day long. And some of it is on purpose because I feel my head is starting to hurt. And probably 80% of the time, I don't even notice that I'm staring. So I'm spending most of my days like that. And if I remove any kind of visual stimulation, so if I just shut my eyes and I um, stop thinking about whether um, I can focus in on something or not focus in on something, if I just plain old shut my eyes, then I am starting to hear more things. This is interesting because I am a visual learner. I think I'm visual and audio, but I'm very much a visual learner. So it has been um, a little bit of a challenge to, to try to use things like voiceover on the Apple devices because I have to play things multiple times to actually take it in if it's a longer um, document or something like that. But I've been, when I sit outside, if I shut my eyes, I can hear so much more happening. I would just, I encourage others to like, just join me, <laughs> join me and shut your eyes sometimes. Just shut your eyes. Shut your eyes when you wouldn't normally shut your eyes and just listen. Not only listen, but almost feel what it's like without your eyes open. It's just, it's really interesting. And, and so I'm choosing lots of new ways to gain clarity. And, um, and so an ongoing theme that that seems to be to keep uh, coming up is, is removing what doesn't serve you to make room for what does serve you. So that's what I've got today. And um, thanks for listening. I'll talk to you tomorrow.